I'm going to be sharing a message from 1 John. We've just begun a series in John's first letter, and we're going to be looking this morning at 1 John chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 5 down through verse 10. So I invite you, if you have a copy of God's Word, to follow along with me as I read that passage and then share uh, some thoughts from that. This is 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Father, I thank you that we can... Um, uh, gather around your word, that we can hear what you would have to say to us. And I pray now that you would um, take these words, your words, and now my words, Lord, and you would um, apply them to our hearts. You would make them profitable for our lives, that we might be shaped and formed more and more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. You know, I consider myself pretty good at walking in the dark. I usually wake up really early and move around without the lights on so as not to wake up others. And, and I can usually do it pretty well because I am somewhat familiar with the territory. Occasionally, however, I run into something unfamiliar or unexpected. I sometimes forget that I've left shoes on the floor. Maybe I put a box down at the end of the bed and I find myself maybe stumbling or tripping on it. I remember one time coming down our steps in the dark and as I got to the bottom, I, I turned to see that the front door of our house was opened and there, standing there looking back at me, was a man staring back at me. And you can imagine, I, I let out a, a gasp and I kind of muffled out a scream and I snapped on the light switch at the bottom of the stairs and found that the man was really my reflection there in our storm door. Thankfully, the light revealed what was truly there, or in this case, what was truly not there. And no matter how familiar you are with walking in the darkness, it always carries with it a certain level of risk and potential danger. And while we may have a certain measure of comfort and familiarity in navigating in dark places, in order to really see things as they are, in order to know for sure what is real and true, we need to, to shine some light into the situation. And that's what light does. It reveals what is real. It exposes things as they truly are. It helps us to, to see and to understand what is really there and how things really are. The Apostle John, he wrote his first letter to shine the light of truth into the, into the darkness of some subtle and deceptive ideas that had arisen from within the church and were being taught by some in the church and, and were causing some believers to wonder if they 
if what they knew and what they had believed regarding Jesus and about God were really true. There were some in the church who were saying that that knowledge of God and fellowship with God through Jesus was basically a matter of the mind and of the spirit, but it had very little to do with the material or physical world and particularly how we live our lives in this world. And while they professed to know God and to have fellowship with God through Christ, they had twisted the gospel so as to deny that Jesus was God in human flesh. And therefore, they began to deny the reality of his his sacrifice for sin and even to question, really, the reality and seriousness of sin itself. They were claiming to, to shed some new light on what it means to know God and to know Jesus. But in reality, what they were actually doing was casting a shadow over the truth and doing it in a manner that sought to conceal the reality of sin and to excuse sinful behavior. And, you know, that's a a very attractive approach, because when it comes to dealing with those things in our lives which are not good, those things which the Bible calls sin and, and deep down will cause us guilt and shame, We'd really rather not have those things exposed to others, much less to God. Jesus said in John 3.19 that people love the darkness rather than the light because the light exposes our evil deeds to God's truth. Sin likes to remain in the dark. It likes to remain hidden. So when someone says that, that sin doesn't really matter or or that it doesn't really exist, that our, then our natural inclination is to say, hey, I like that teaching. But while such teaching may be attractive, it actually, in actuality, it's very deceptive, and ultimately it's destructive. John wants us to have assurance that not only can we know God and have fellowship with him, but that the reality and the, sur- the assurance of such fellowship involves dealing with this issue of sin in light of God's character, his truth and his provision that have been revealed and received by us in the person and work of Jesus, his son. Remember, one of John's purposes in this letter is to help us answer that question, how do you know that you know God and have eternal life in him? And here, John gives the first of of several what we might call tests of true fellowship with God that that we're going to look at throughout our study of this letter. And this first test is is how we deal with the the issue of sin in relationship to God. And John does something very simple but very important here, and that is that he begins with God. If we want to know how things really are, if we want to gain knowledge and understanding of what is true and real in the world, we have to begin with the one who created it all. In fact, the Bible tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom. And so John opens the letter, as we saw last week, pointing to the reality of Jesus, the word of life, God in the flesh, whom whom John and the other disciples had heard and seen and touched and and were now proclaiming. And then he says here in verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him, namely from Jesus, and proclaim to you. And he gives this very simple yet comprehensive statement of the nature of God revealed by and in Jesus. He says, God is light. 
God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. He doesn't say God gives light, or God is light, or God is a light, or that even God is the light. He simply says God is equals light. Now, what does he mean that God is light? Well, what is the nature of light? What does it do? Light is first and foremost revealing. If I strike a match in the dark, the first thing I see is the the light itself, the light of the flame of the match. And then by that flame, I can see the, the other things around that it reveals. As light, God is both revealed and revealing. He is a God who does not remain hidden in darkness or secrecy. He has revealed himself to the world and in the world, both in the light of of his creation, which shows not only his existence, but something of his glorious nature. But more importantly, God reveals himself in the person of his son, Jesus, who as as, as one who was incarnate with us, was able to be seen and heard and touched and who said of himself, I am the light of the world. So the very fact that God is light means that he can be known. He is revealed himself. The Gnostics, whose whose false teaching is uh, John is addressing in this letter, they considered themselves the illumined ones, the enlightened ones. Does that sound familiar? Much of the shift away from a worldview that is centered in in God and his revelation of himself to one that is that is centered in man's reason came during the period of history known as the Enlightenment. And John is saying, do you you want illumination? You want to be enlightened? Start with the source of all light. God, who has revealed himself, God is light. Light reveals also what is true, what is real. Boys and girls, you know when you you see a shadow or a shape in your room and it's dark and you may begin to think that there's there's maybe something there, something scary. And so you call mom or dad and they come in and they they turn on the light and you see that that what you thought was some kind of, of monster in your room was only a coat hanging over the chair in the corner. The light reveals the truth. It shows what is there. And God as light is the revealer of truth, of what is truly true. And John says, if we walk in darkness... We lie and do not practice the truth. Here he brings this concept of truth uh, here in contrast to the darkness. Think about it. When we don't know someone, or, or excuse me, when we want to know someone uh, to, to know that someone to know the truth about something, what do we say? Um, we we help, help me out here. Let's shed some light on this. When we don't want them to know. Uh, the truth about something. We want to do what? We want to keep them in the dark. Light helps us to know and to understand what is true, what is real. And John is saying God doesn't just give light. He is light. He is the source. He is the measure of all that is true. Here, walking in darkness is equated with not practicing the truth. Truth is not just something that we know, but it's something that we, we do. It's something we live by. To live a sincere, authentic, real, true life, John says, we must walk in the light of what God has revealed as true and real. That's why the the word of God is called in, in Psalm 119, the lamp to our feet and the light to our path. 
like a flashlight beam for our life, God speaks and says, this is the way, walk in it. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. He says, you want to come to the Father. You want to know the Father. Come to me, know me. God exposes the truth to us and us to the truth so that we might know him and navigate life in a manner that corresponds to him and to his design. As the psalmist says of the Lord, in your light, God, we see light. We see what is true and real. But light is also used, not just in relationship to the truth and what we can know, but light is also used in a moral and an ethical sense of what is right, what is good, what is holy and pure. Isaiah speaks woes to those who call evil good and good evil. He says, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Paul exhorts believers to live as children of the light and have nothing to do with the, with the deeds of darkness. Some of us may remember the, the initiative that uh, the elder President Bush uh, tried to put into, um, into practice or into to, to, um, uh, engage us in called A Thousand Points of Light. The idea was, was finding people in programs that were doing good, that were being a blessing or a benefit to society and to others. That program wouldn't have been nearly as popular a plan if he had said, we're looking for a thousand points of darkness. God is light. And by that, it means he is perfection. He is holy. He is what is good. He is what is right. He is what is pure. He is light, John says, and there is no darkness in him. With God, there is, is no, there are no false pretenses. There are no hidden agendas. There are no surprises with God. He does not have a, a dark or sinister side. Even what, what may seem dark about God to us is light because his motives are always pure. His knowledge is always perfect. His actions are, are always good. When God gets angry, it's a righteous anger. When God displays his wrath, it's a just wrath. When God is jealous, it's a, it's a jealous love. So God is light means that, that God reveals himself and he has revealed what is true and real and he has called us to what is holy and right and good. And the reality that God is light, the essence of truth and goodness is meant to be for us an inviting picture. Light reveals the way. It helps give direction. It helps expel fears. It helps protect us from danger. It gives us a sense of security. And Jesus reveals to us the truth about God. He is light. Light is the promise of hope and joy and security and truth. Darkness is the threat of, of despair and danger and deception and misery. And John says, this is a message that we want you to know. God is light and fellowship with him involves knowing that and believing that. And as he says, goes on to say, living according to that. John looks to now the kind of practical application of what that means. He says, since God is light, then those who know him, those who have fellowship with him will live. They will, they will walk in that light. John is seeking to sort out here those who, who claim to know and have fellowship with God, but whose lives do not reflect that reality, that truth. 
He wants to distinguish between those who are mere professors of fellowship with God and those who are the true possessors of that fellowship. And he does that by, by holding forth three false claims that are all kind of related to one another, but, but three claims or errors regarding the nature of sin and our relationship with God. And then he counters those with three, three corresponding truths that shed hope and light on the darkness of sin. The first false claim is that we can have fellowship with God who is light, but still live a life that is characterized by sin. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. This this is the person who thinks that sin is not really a big deal or denies that sin breaks our fellowship with God. We can be very quick at times to, to downplay or excuse our sin. We might say, well, God understands that I'm not perfect, that I make mistakes. Or my sin isn't nearly as bad uh, as, as someone else's or as what's happening elsewhere in the world. This can be that, the attitude of license or of even using God's grace or forgiveness as an excuse to continue living in sin. Well, if God will forgive me, then, then I, it doesn't matter if I go on and do this. Paul addressed this, this issue in Romans 6 when he says, Shall we go on sinning since God has shown us so much grace? And he answers that question with a resounding, may it never be. No way. The truth that God is light is not just truth for knowing, but it's truth for living. It is impossible to continually and willingly persist to live in a way that's, that's contrary to God's word and to his will or that, that compromises God's truth and to have true fellowship with God. I can constantly say to my wife, I love her, and and I do. But if I say that, and yet I'm constantly ignoring or neglecting her, or not spending time with her, or speaking ill of her, or doing things that she she hates, or not doing things that to, to serve or honor her, then guess what? I can say that I love her all day, but it's a lie because I'm not living out the truth of what I say. If you say you know God and you love God, but then knowingly continue to to persist and live in a way that is contrary to who God is and to what he has said and to his will, then you are living a lie. There's no evidence of light, but rather, John says, we, we walk in darkness. And so that's the first false claim here, that you can keep living in sin while saying everything is okay with you and God, that you have fellowship with him. But John says, if we walk in the light, just as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. To walk in the light is not to to live a perfect life. It's not to, um, to, to never sin, but it's to live an authentic, a real, a true life, to live a life open and exposed and informed and in accord with, with who God has revealed himself to be and what he desires and says. John is not saying here that, that living a, a life of obedience and pursuing holiness also somehow earns the forgiveness and the cleansing 
of Jesus's sacrifice for us, but rather it, it proves it's a mark of the reality of that experience already in our lives. God's light, his truth and his commandments, it, it brings our sin to light. It exposes it. It reveals it in such a way that we we see it for what it truly is. We see it for the affront that it is to, to God's holiness, to his the light of his glory and his righteousness. And we see the danger that it brings. And as we turn from it, we experience the ongoing forgiveness and cleansing that Jesus's blood shed on the cross has secured for us. This is the, the ongoing sanctifying grace of God. The fruit of our fellowship with God is that we live in the light. We live in the light of his grace and truth. And doing so also defines, John says, our fellowship with one another. The fellowship of the body of Christ, the communion of saints that's in the church is rooted and it's, it's cultivated and it's grown in the soil and in light of God's grace and truth. It's, 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 it's transparent and honest and real and gracious, forgiving relationships that are lived in the light of God's word. Fellowship and forgiveness, community and cleansing. That's what results from living our lives in the, in the life-giving light of God's grace and truth in Jesus Christ. And so if you continue to walk in the, in the shadow of secrecy and, and sin, you alienate yourself from God and from others. And you have no assurance, John says, of God's grace and forgiveness in Christ. You deceive yourself. So that's the first false claim. The second false claim, which John addresses, is the claim that uh, that sin is not even an issue. It's to deny that sin is even a reality in our lives. This is perhaps an even more dangerous error in the church. And there are two ways this error is perpetuated, as John says here. The first is seen in this claim in verse eight. If we say we have no sin. This is to not to deny the, the presence of sin, the, the sin principle as part of our, our nature. This is a claim that there's no real basis for what, what we sometimes call original sin, but that the, the idea of sin is just a, a, a kind of a, a construct by which we deal psychologically with our shortcomings and the problem of guilt. This is the idea that, that deep down we are all really good people. And our problems, our shortcomings, the, 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 the things that we would call sin are really a factor of outside influences. We look for some explanation outside of ourselves, whether it's our upbringing or our environment that we live in or our particular circumstances or maybe the impact of other people. And we use those to explain the problems and the, and the struggles we face and even uh, the, the behavior that may be seen as as sinful. Now, that's not to say there aren't external factors that profoundly influence who we are and, and what we do and, and the things that have happened in our lives, but those are not ultimately the, the cause of wrong behavior. To say we have no sin or that sin is not in us, John says we deceive ourselves because in God's word is not in us. We are suppressing the truth, not only of what deep down we know to be true, but also willingly blinding ourselves to what is obvious and what God has himself has said is true. 
But if we confess our sins, John says, God is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How do we deal with the issue of sin? We bring it into the light. We confess it before God. We agree with him that, yes, we are sinners, that we have rebelled and that we confess those sins to the Lord and, and we're appropriate to confess them to one another. We seek his mercy on the basis of Jesus's death and his resurrection for that sin. And God is faithful, which means he, he will do what he has promised to do, which is, is to forgive us and to cleanse us from that sin. And God is just, which means he will do what is right, which is to pardon that sin on the basis of Jesus himself having taken the penalty of our sin for us. And so John says we, we can't say that we have no sin, but rather as we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive it. And then the third false claim John addresses is not necessarily to deny the presence of sin uh, or, or to, to, to say that it doesn't exist in us, but to deny that we actually practice it, that we actually do it. This is seen in verse 10 where John says, if we say we have not sinned, if we say we have not sinned. I remember a, a number of years ago meeting with a gentleman and we were, we were talking about this whole issue of repentance and confession. And in the, in the course of the conversation, as we went along, I noticed that he was always, he was always pointing out other people's sins. He was always saying this person needs to confess or yes, that would need to be repented of. And, and so as we were, we were going along in the conversation, I, I said to him, tell me, what are the sins in your own life that you need to confess to the Lord, where you need to, to turn and seek his forgiveness? And he kind of got quiet for a minute. And then he said, to my surprise, honestly, I can't really think of any. I can't think of, of any sin in my life right now. I was like, whoa. But, you know, there are some in the church who teach and believe in, in what is called Christian perfectionism, that we can actually reach a point of spirituality, of, of being so in tune with the spirit that we actually don't sin anymore. Now, don't misunderstand me here. There is victory over sin in our lives. And God calls us to pursue not sinning and, 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 um, and being holy as he is holy. We should always be striving and growing in grace in the fruit of obedience to God's word. But we have to be careful that this does not lead to, to, to a spiritual pride or to a self-righteousness where we can overlook or even deny the reality of, of our ongoing struggle with sin. To say that we have not sinned or reached a point where we don't sin anymore is to deny our need for God's cleansing grace and to deny God's word, which speaks so clearly of that need. John says to do so is not, not just our lying, but it's to make God out to be a liar, to show that his word is truth is not in us. That it's not the guiding principle of our lives. And so John says that the first test of true fellowship with God, who is light, is to see if you are living and walking in the light of his revealing truth and his redeeming grace 
that he has given to us in his son, Jesus Christ? Do you see and acknowledge and confess your great need as a sinner for the ongoing forgiveness and cleansing and light and life-giving sacrifice of Jesus Christ? Do you look to God and to his word as as the lamp to, to light and guide your way and direct your path in life, seeking to live quorum Deo before the face and for the glory of God? Do you do not be deceived or deceive yourself into thinking that you can you can know God, you can have fellowship with God and still live and walk in what the Bible calls the darkness, the darkness of sinful and, and self-centered ways apart from God's grace in Christ. Now, my hope is that most of us listening this morning would claim to have fellowship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, in whom we trust and whom we look to for all, all hope. Some of you may not make that claim. You may be listening, wanting to know more about that, and that's a wonderful thing. And, and you need to hear this and to see that God is light, and he has come to bring the to reveal himself and bring the light of his truth to you in Christ Jesus. In order that you can know him, in order that you can have eternal life in him through the shed blood of Jesus that cleanses you from all sin. God has revealed himself. He has accomplished his redemption for sinners through his son, Jesus. Knowing God means simply coming into the light of that truth, of confessing your sin and need for forgiveness and trusting and embracing the reality that the blood of Jesus Christ does indeed cleanse your sin and bring you to God who is light. And for those who are listening this morning who already know God and claim fellowship with him on the basis of Jesus's work, John exhorts us, walk in the light as he is in the light. Let us, let us ask God and, and continue to seek his, the light of his truth and his love and his glory in the face of Jesus Christ and such that we can, we can see clearly and confess openly our sin and receive joyfully the cleansing grace of Christ's sacrifice for us and that we might continue to pursue eagerly living in the light of his truth and love such that we have fellowship with one another and that others may see the light of Christ in us and be drawn to him. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Let us live boldly in the light of his truth and of his grace in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, would you right now by your spirit shine the light of your love and truth and grace and glory in the face of your son Jesus in the gospel into our hearts, into our lives in such a way that we once again just see who you truly are, that we come to know you and to embrace your truth and your grace for us. And that we would also see ourselves as we truly are, Lord, sinners in need of your mercy. Father, we thank you that you have shown the light of your love for us in Christ Jesus and that you have cleansed us from all sin through his atonement for our sin on the cross, the shedding of his blood. 
Lord, may we embrace that and live in that in transparency and and honesty and authentic life together as your people and with you. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.